right, sir. Well, uh, real quick, introduce yourself. For those that don't know, you tell us a little bit about yourself before we jump in. Cool, man. So uh, my name is Alvaro. I'm a cinematographer, producer, and a director based out of Los Angeles, California. Um, always been, you know, really into the filmmaking and content creation aspect of things. Um, but I do love like the business side of it as well. Mm -hmm. So being able to use, you know, my skills, my craft to help businesses grow. I uh, started Prime Scale Creative a few years back. Uh, that's a uh, kind of all-in-one, one-stop shop marketing solution for businesses where they can, uh, you know, find websites, they can find photography, graphic design, video production. <clears throat> and then ultimately we distribute, uh, we help distribute that content uh, as far as like a marketing campaign that we build out for you. Dope, bro. You got you got that uh, that that um, that presentation of just you and yourself and your business down down pat. That's all I know. You got your shit together. Yeah, man. You got you got to get the elevator pitch down, man. Yeah, man. That's <laughs> dope, bro. Yeah, and I think we uh, we connected originally in the barber shop. Um, always, you know, on the same page about film. We actually collaborate on a film together. Um, but yeah, man. I, I I've always admired just the way that you move. Um, what do you tell, tell us some about like your background in film, how you got into it and some of the things you've been working on specifically? Uh, yeah. But so, I mean, I started making short films when I was like 10 or 11 years old and uh, just something that I really, really loved to do. I uh, thought it was a lot of fun. Um, and, but as I grew, I kind of started getting deeper and deeper into it. Uh, and then once I got to college, uh, you know, being a broke college student, you're kind of mm -hmm. like, okay, well, we're kind of my options here to make a little bit of money. And so I started just making little videos here and there um, for little startups or, you know, whatever it may be for friends. And uh, I really started, just really, really started getting into it professionally, invested in some gear. Um, and then just, uh, you know, the rest is history. I kind of just been able to grow it to a point where, um, you know, large and small businesses are, are, are on my clientele list. So I have, uh, you know, like Nissan was one of my clients, mm -hmm. uh, Berkshire Hathaway, uh, to name drop a couple no, of do it. more recognizable ones. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, we work with essentially kind of every small and large businesses because everybody needs something different, right? Mm -hmm. So uh, we definitely just love seeing seeing it grow. And that's kind of how it all came about. Yeah, bro. And I like that. I, I like specifically having you on here. <clears throat> so I always tell people like my thought process for this, like this podcast. I don't know if I ever told you the story, but I remember um, when I was like, when I was still in Omaha trying to get back, I had, I had actually been to LA back and forth for like a couple of years. And then I was back in Nebraska in like 2013 for like this six month stretch. And like, I didn't know if I was ever going to make it back to LA. This is before I came back now. Um, but my only thing I had to really like get, I mean, you, you understand like when you're in a smaller town in a smaller area, let alone so far removed from the like LA and yeah. the industry and all that, it seems like, it is like a dream and, and something so unattainable. And most of those people around you don't have that same energy. So the only thing I had to get me through that stretch, I had pirated like 30 episodes of inside the actor studio. So it was just one of those things where, like, you know, you get to hear people talk about their beginnings and their, and their story and just their mindset and their approach to so many things. So like for me, I want to be able to create something that 
all, various people from various realms and creative realms and, and, and walks of life and, and um, career paths can just share their story so that I can do my part to give back to that person that's back there. So like, I, I, like I've had a lot of different people on it and some of their stories have been really interesting, but like this speaks to that person that I was like a decade ago trying to figure all this out. So I think that's, and, and you and exactly. I have a personal relationship. So that's why I like having, having this conversation. Uh, so tell me about some of the, I don't know, tell me, tell me about how, like some of the, the hurdle, hurdles or the funny stories that you had, like trying to just get into film and the obstacles and all of that. Man. Um, I think it was really, I mean, clearly the, the, the creative field is a very competitive one. Mm -hmm. uh, and so you're kind of really up against, you know, people who have been doing it for way longer than you, people who have a different vision, people mm -hmm. who, you know, maybe more talented than you. Right. So it's right. always like, I wouldn't necessarily say it's a kind of like a funny story, but I like growing up or like, you know, growing in, in the career, I would always look up to certain people that were around me. Yep. Um, and I'd always be like, man, I want to get to that point one day. I want to get to that point one day. And then, you know, now that I look, uh, you know, on their work, mm -hmm. I see that I've been able to achieve that level right, right after right. just like, massive dedication and just like keep grinding and put my head down and just work. I've, I've been able to, to, to reach that kind of level that I was aspiring to be. And then the, but that's not to say that like you don't stop growing. Right. Cause mm -hmm. I feel like in a creative, especially in a creative field, you can, you can think something's perfect, you know, one day. Right. And then two months later you look back at that work and you're like, yo, oh. this is shit, yeah. man. Like, what was I thinking? You know what I mean? So, um, I think more than anything is just that like, the funny thing is just I'm really hard on myself, right? As far mm -hmm. as like the work that I put out. And so um, that that's ultimately like the most kind of ironic part is like, oh, I love the work that I do. But then like a couple months later, it's just like, it. well, yeah. I, I want to do this differently next yeah. time. You yeah. know what I mean? So I, I think that's a sign of growth. That's a telltale sign of growth. Exactly. Yeah. What, do you have a specific time period or like movie or TV show that like sparked that love or that interest in film for you? Spark the interest in film, not necessarily, man. So my, I mean, not necessarily like a, like a TV show or like a movie mm -hmm. or anything like that. It was more like watching independent creators kind of like do really dope stuff. Right. Um, like a, it's like Sam Colder ish vibes. You know what I mean? Like you like watch all these like crazy videos right. with the dope transitions, and it's like, and that is still on a very like on a very basic level or mm -hmm. very macro level, right? Yeah those kind of videos are still relatively amateurish compared to like what like commercials are, are, are nowadays. Right. So right. look at a you know, commercial for Mercedes Benz or pizza hut or, you know, Colgate, whatever time, it may be. See, it, it does, I'm trying to think is Sam Coulter the one that does all the crazy drone shots too, or no. Yeah. He does. He oh. does a lot of like crazy drone shots and different things like that. So it's a, well, it's well, a no, cool what, I, what I was thinking is like, I don't know if he, it's somebody that does the cool FPV, FP, uh, FPV drone shots. But I realize now, to speak to the commercial aspect, when I seen DJI start advertising their new Mavic Air, I seen some of those Sam Calder vibes. So it's just funny how, like you said, on a very macro level, something that may be amateurish can then influence the mainstream and these big commercial yeah, companies. Yeah, exactly, too. right? So, But but then again, you, you have to look at the way that they market, like DJI, for example, markets mm -hmm. the product a little bit differently. True, true, so true. like their, their uh, Inspire series or their Mavic series, Mm -hmm. you're going to have those kind of transitions because those are within the budget of the people that are making. True. 
but you're not seeing like their MC600 drone, the one that you can mount an <laughs> yeah. entire DJI Ronin, you know, stabilizer yeah, yeah. to that with a with a red camera on yeah, it. They, they don't use that. those, kind, you know, they don't kind, they don't use That's this true. kind of marketing, like crazy transitions and things like that, because it's just like a different tier Different right deal. if you look at anything that's you know airing on prime time most of it is not looking like whip pan transitions no 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 that's not the crazy demo. 3d rotations and you know what i mean yeah so it's still like a it's so like those were the videos that helped that allowed me to grow and really understand um what what aspects of that transition into a commercial space so whether it's like it wasn't necessarily film or tv it was like those independent creators creating just like dope original content that's only like their trademark that allowed me to kind of like okay well this is kind of dope i like this i like how they do that but i'm a i'm a, in in terms of like aesthetic i'm very simple i like to keep it very plain i'm mm-hmm. not like about like crazy transitions right. or anything like that it's very like minimal that's just like how yeah. i how i less is more a lot of time yeah. okay yeah no i just i was always curious because i like i for me once again, um, well, and I'm a little older, so like this was, yeah, when I was 10, it was before the, the, the big social media age. Um, and of course, I'm in Nebraska, so I remember specifically. So, I, like, as a child, I always loved dinosaurs. Like, I even, like, <laughs> so embarrassing land before time. Like, I always loved dinosaurs. So, the, the moment I saw Jurassic Park, I was like, oh my uh-huh. God. And then, and, and, and part two was trash compared to part one, but like I always, after, after Jurassic Park, I specifically remember having these dreams. I don't even know if they were dreams or nightmares, but as a child, like I always remember, like you, you, I could remember being in my house and looking across the street because there was all these trees behind these houses and seeing the trees swaying. And then I had these dreams that these dinosaurs were here. And then I, in part two, they were like, okay, so now the dinosaurs are in the neighborhood. I'm like, yo, they took that visual right out of my mind. So this is one of those things where after that, I was like, yo, okay, so if I can, just as a child, I'm like, okay, I had a concept that was in line with what I seen a filmmaker make. And I think from then, it, it closed that gap between this child that just had these thoughts and these ideas and these people that were doing things in Hollywood. So I think for that, that sparked an interest in me. And it was like, it wasn't until probably a decade later before I really got in film in a roundabout way, which is funny within itself. But like, I know that that created the very, very first part for me. So I always ask people just to see where they're at on that one. That's awesome, man. That's, that's such a dope story to when you finally realize like, yo, I can do it too. You know what I mean? Like having that realization that like, yo, I can compete. I can learn like, like just like they did is, you know, you're, you're essentially paving a path for yourself for that, for that kind of growth to reach that Hollywood kind of level production. I think that's awesome. Absolutely. Uh, that's so, not to say, like, to go back on your question, that's not to say that I haven't, like, really been inspired oh, by no, TV shows. Absolutely. Show or absolutely. Like that, you know what I mean? So, like, right now, like, Ozark cinematography wise is insane, like, absolutely beautiful. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a foreign show on Netflix called Sex Education. That cinematographer is absolutely insane. I can't remember the so That's a good show? Right I've, I've heard about it. So, I imagine if you're liking Sex it. Sex Education. No, it's an amazing show. Okay. Really, really good show. Writing, directing. Everybody's just extremely talented on that show so okay. strongly yeah. recommend yeah. yeah i'm about to look that one up oh oh shoot hold on sorry got distracted on my phone uh damn i just lost my train of thought i had somebody ask me a random question um so what long term where do you see yourself like what is the what is the ultimate goal that you're working towards i mean that the ultimate goal really is just to build uh kind of like a a, a bigger business right it's to, it's to grow the business um 
So I want to ultimately create, a, you know, a production and a marketing agency that's going to be able to work with, you know, these like, you know, bigger brands like Nike, Adidas, whatever, being able to create campaigns and be able to create like just dope content that would help them grow. Mm-hmm. I think it's ultimately like where I see, you know, myself uh, is just kind of working at a, you know, at a higher level um, where your, you know, your, your video budgets aren't, you know, $5,000 anymore. You're talking about. 500,000, right. you know, for a commercial, you're talking about a million, you're talking about a couple million. Yeah. So yeah. Those, those are like the kind of, you know, you know, the kind of productions that I, I just, I want to be working on, but you know, I understand that that's like, you know, that's like the ultimate goal, but mm-hmm. to get there, right. To be able to form those connections, you know, to land Nike as a client, right. Right. Is, uh, yeah, it takes a little time to build up that. Absolutely. Keep the head down and keep working ultimately. Absolutely. So you see yourself more, uh, I, I know there's no reason to limit oneself, but like, is your, your passion more in film or commercial or just a blend of both? I mean, commer- so I love, I love film, right? Mm-hmm. Like I have, like I, I have a couple scripts that I'm working on right now. Um, and it's definitely something that I, that I love to do. And it's something that I will explore. Um, but for me, business wise, commercials are ultimately like, where it's at because it's a, a lot more you know it's a business to business transaction yeah. as opposed to the way that you monetize a film is a little bit different right so you have to have you know break, break that down for, to, for the people that may not know like explain the difference between that so for example uh let's say i get hired to produce a commercial for a restaurant mm-hmm. they give me you know ten thousand dollars budget yep. so i have to hire the food decorator i have to hire you know um my gaffers, my electricians, my cam ops, my director, whoever, right? Sound, mm-hmm. host. Um, but that all comes out of that $10,000 budget. Right. And I pay myself a certain amount and then try to create something really dope with that 10 grand. So it's a, it's a more direct way. Right. When you're working on a film, you need that initial capital, right? So yeah. now you're, you're talking about fundraising because it's not a business hiring you out to create that piece of content right Mm -hmm. it's something that you write and then you seek funding and then but it doesn't just stop there right because you have to pay your crew you have to pay your cash you have to pay whoever but then ultimately the person investing in that project in that creative film or whatever it may be they're going to look for a return on their investment right and so how do they get it now you have to have you know a strategy to submit to festivals you have to have a strategy to get that that film to mean something at a, at a larger scale. Right. And it has right. to be good enough right. to be able to generate money. Right. So you have to be able to, to figure out different ways to, to make that little, you know, that, that film, your, 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 your piggy bank essentially, yeah. right. Your golden. Um, and you're, and you don't have a big distribution deal when you're an independent filmmaker, you don't, you're not, you know, Universal's not distributing your shit. Paramount's right. not distributing. Your shit. So right. you have to, you know, you're not showing your stuff in theaters. Like, if you don't have you know millions of dollars for a marketing campaign, nobody's right. Well, you know, I, I think that's just something that is important for people to know, just to you know, to understand that part of that process. Yeah, because that's something I would I like coming out here. I did not understand that part at all. Like, oh, we're gonna make a movie. We're gonna make money. I don't know how, but you know, but to break it down logistically, and then you know, as you said, compared to. Um, commercial work is much more of a linear process and you can track everything and you know for the most part, part where the dollars are going to go and what's going to come in and what's going out. So eh, I think that's very important to know. Exactly. But that's not to say that, for example, like films can be indirectly profitable, right? Like mm-hmm. let's say I'm a producer for a film that's really good 
and it's only seen by a hundred people. Right. But if one of those people is somebody really big, really important that, you know, did that, like the sound mixing on, on the movie or mm-hmm. like the, this actor or whatever, right? Like those kind of projects can help propel you into, you know, higher grossing, higher dollar kind of stuff. Right. Uh, but that's more of like an indirect return on your investment. You know what I mean? Absolutely. Okay. So uh, I'm trying to think if we want to stay on film. So just tell me, uh, how have you been spending, how has this time been for you? Like just as a person and then professionally and everything else? I mean, as a, as somebody who, who shoots for a living, right. It's been a little hard because there's no shoot. Yeah. I had a, you know, three or four uh, major shoots cancel or pretty, you know, relatively larger projects. So it kind of sucks that that got, you know, kind of pushed forward. Um, but it really gave me the uh, the time to kind of think about the the business side, the strategy. Not only that, but as I mentioned earlier, I'm working on a script right now, mm-hmm. and, uh, and I have like a strategy on how to monetize and everything, kind of like that. So I'm right. definitely definitely exploring that new narrative uh, road as opposed to just focusing strictly on commercial for you know a direct ROI. I'm looking to to be in the film game. Uh, as opposed to just like the commercial game now, so okay. it, it the time has definitely allowed me to to kind of think about that the the side of the narrative side of things. Okay, and and that kind of ties into another question, and I'll ask it for pre all this and now. But um, for somebody that works for themselves and is very passionate about what they do, but you also, um, you know, you you have somebody else in your life. How do you find that that balance? Like that's something I know I can't find right now, and and like I'm fine with it because I'm not in a relationship. But like, it, it always it it inspires me and it impresses me how people who are successful in their craft, let alone like something that they are doing on their own, like not just working for somebody where you basically control how much time you give to something. Like how how do you go about finding that work life balance in a normal circumstance, and even now when there is less structure to time. I, well, I assume there's less structure to time. So the work life, the work life balance is a, uh, is, is definitely a, a thing you got to get. You have to practice that, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would consider myself like a, a workaholic. Like I'm pretty much always working. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, I wouldn't be able to if I didn't have you know the support from my wife and my family that I have, right? right. So, um, you know, my wife's super supportive in everything that I do. So it's, it's great to, to kind of have that backing. Uh, and, and, and kind of be able to concentrate on, 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 on your passion, on your work. Uh, I do, I do work, I'm a marketing manager at a cannabis software company. So I do have like a, like a regular, you know, like nine to five, but it's a startup. So it's not really nine to five. We're working like these crazy hours, but, um, but I also have clients on the side. So I, I have to be able to manage. So sometimes I'm working 16, 17, 18 hour days, um, you know, editing or kind of producing or different things like that. But, um, it's easier to find the balance when what you do for a living is not really work. It's like you enjoy doing mm-hmm. what you're doing. You wake up every day. And you're but see, that, that also can be a, 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 a double edged sword because like sometimes if you love what you do, it's hard to pull you away from it. And then tonight, oh yeah, hundred so. percent. I I I hundred percent feel that. Like I went to visit my parents uh, last weekend, and I found myself like packing my camera gear, like <laughs> camera, my laptop, yeah. my hard oh, drives, yeah. and I'm like, wait, 
I'm going to be up there for a day, man. I got to like chill for a little bit. I got to spend time and then right. kind of, you know, jump back into it. But I catch myself and, you know, I, I try to, when I'm spending time with the family, I try to kind of keep work. Hey, you know, this is, this is not part of work hours right now. Let mm-hmm. me kind of concentrate on this because it is important for, for mental health and for your relationships in your life to also have that, you know, that balance. So. Yeah. I think that's one, I mean, honest, obviously I, I'm, I've, I'm happy about it right now, but like I'm single and I'm living alone. So it's great to have this time. But the beautiful, the other side of that to have this time is like, I've been working on like being more disciplined with my time. Cause it's easier for me now when I don't have to go give my time to something else. That's not a passion to say, Hey, if I had, if this was, you know, it's, it's visualization. So if this was my lifestyle, okay, this is what I'm doing for a living. I'm going to get up and I'm going to schedule this amount of time for this, for this and that. And then I'm going to cut out this time for, you know, health or for just being relaxing or, you know, um, meditating or this is my time that I would give to somebody else which like I said for right now it's easy because one <laughs> I don't have to give that time to somebody else so it's hypothetical and two there's not a lot of other things that are pulling um, so I'm hoping when I come out of this I will be a little more disciplined and I'll have a, a vision of how I want to structure my time more in a more balanced state but I do know it, it's definitely been uh, a, a area where there's room for improvement in my life. So I'm always curious just to hear how other people go about it. And we have that same thing where we're definitely workaholics. Yeah, man. Okay. So let me, let me, let me nerd out with you real quick. I know you're talking about camera gear. Like what are you, what are you shooting with? What are you editing with? Whatever you can speak to, because I don't know if it affects. All right, man. So yeah, I actually just recently upgraded, uh, some of my gear. Um, Uh my main camera body is a Panasonic GH5S. Mm -hmm. Um, and uh, I have the uh, Ninja Inferno for the as an external re- recording, and that's to get that you know the 10 bit, uh, 60 frames per second at 4K, mm-hmm. uh, you know externally, and, and just the functionality of that is, is really nice. But uh, use Canon lenses, uh, L series glass. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I but I also I just got a custom made. Um, Helios lens from, from nice. the Ukraine. They like nice. custom custom bill and, and like everything a else. Or, or like that? Or which which one it's is a it? 58. 58. Okay. Yeah, it's a Helios 44 Four, too. Ah, but it's a 50. Yeah, yeah, 58. Yeah. Right, right, right. Yeah, that, that kind of numbering is a little is Third a little track. crazy. But pro tip, uh, there's a company and they're not. I'm not sponsored by them or anything. <laughs> I wish I was, but there's a company called Iron Glass. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can find them at ironglassadapters.com, uh, and they have incredible rehoused soviet lenses that are in cinema bodies so they're all geared properly they're all like standardized for like map boxes and different things like that um and it's super cheap man like really really cheap you can find a set of you know rehoused lenses uh i think it's like five lenses for like a thousand bucks or something like that Uh, iron glass adapters iron glass adapters man that's a that's that's a life hack sure (laughs) bro Beautiful book, uh, really full. I mean, it's not your, you know, your autofocus lenses. It's not like a, right, right, but like a Zeiss similar. or you know whatever it may be. But for the price, the it, it's really, really nice, I'm really good stuff. Type this in right now. What are you? What's your uh, NLE of choice right now? What's my what? Your uh, your right. editor, NL. Your your oh. editing suite. I'm an Adobe guy, man. Uh, I'm a creative suite guy all the way. Yeah. The compatibility across kind of, you know, the chain of Adobe products is amazing. Like, 
you got Photoshop and you import that into After Effects and then you don't even have to render it out. You just drop that into Premiere and you chop it. it it's awesome. Yeah, that, I, that kind of workflow just, is great. I can't, I know, I know it's the, it's the move. I just, what my, the, the only thing that, the only reason I don't have to use it is because like I kind of draw the line at After Effects, which I might, you know, right now there might be time to learn it, but I'm like, you know what, that's for the, you know, people that try to do everything. I was like, okay, I know my limits, like web design, after effects but i my my only thing compared to most of the other suites i think avid is the same as adobe but most of them like i rather just pay and just own it than pay i hate subscriptions i think that's what it comes down to um but yeah i i, I definitely i think they have a 90 day free trial so i i just downloaded create the creative suite app but i might give it a shot because i, I know that's the move i've been doing um i just bought the like six months ago i got the black magic camera so i've been trying to get myself nice. into uh resolve and of course final cut but final cut's only going to do so much so I'm, I'm trying to figure out what my next move is going to be for for everything else like i really like what they're doing with resolve but of course I, there's nothing that compares to um after effects so i gotta figure that one out yeah no resolve resolve is 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 becoming more and more of an industry standard i mean the power and color grading in that thing yeah i was just watching, go ahead I was just watching a YouTube video yesterday and people were comparing, I think on like a base level 2020 MacBook Air, um, Final Cut, which is of course optimized for the, the Apple computer and Resolve yeah. and some of their exports. And, and just in exporting, um, Resolve was beating Final Cut in some of these things. And of course, like they have the wow. whole integrated suite more like Adobe. Um, so yeah, I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm going to figure it all out. Also, I have to figure out how much time I'm really going to dedicate to. I mean, now is the perfect time. There's no excuse. I can I can learn all yeah. this right now. But after that, exactly. I'm like, if I don't have it learned coming out of this, you know, I got to figure out what I'm going to dedicate the time to. But I'm gonna pick up one. Yeah, for the basic like lower budget work. I mean, I'm pretty much editing and finishing uh, mixing on my own. So, I mean, for audio, when I when it is a little bit more complex of a project, um, I'm usually mixing and mastering in like Logic. Mm-hmm. Um, I find that it's a it's a really dope platform. Um, uh, you said you're an avid guy. No, you're, no, you're no, 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 no. I'm saying I, I knew avid. Uh, I I'm pretty sure avid switched to a subscription model like Adobe, but no, I I have not touched avid. I've touched it, but like I, oh, I'm not yeah. I'm not proficient avid, in avid. avid. You no, know, avid is great when you when you know how to use it. It's, it's a very similar interface to Premiere Pro, mm-hmm. uh, like on Adobe, uh, but the integration you know with with avid hardware that they have is really the big selling point. Right. Um, and then you you know integrate that and dump it out into a Pro Tools session. And, you know you're able to finish your sound mixing on that. But, um, for lower budget stuff, I think Adobe Creative Suite is is perfect. And when you have you know more of a budget to kind of spend on post, then you're not really the one having to sit there and edit. So you yeah. just kind of send that off so to your editor and let them do. It. And then they send to finishing and and coloring and whatever. Yeah, I I think I've and and we've kind of worked in that capacity. But like I, I think I've finally realized. Like I've always tried to be the one man band on a lot of stuff, but like right now I'm to the point where like I'm gonna I'm figuring out whatever my thing is gonna be to create not even the film, but just whatever my thing is gonna be to generate revenue. Because I'm to the point now in life, I'm like, you know what? I want to do what I want to do, and then I'm just gonna find somebody that specializes in everything else and let them rock out and let them do their thing. Exactly. I mean, that's that's the like they say, and and I I'll use like the the corporate analysis, but they say. Well, in anything, like you should not be the smartest person in the room. And if you are, then whatever you're doing is destined to fail. So, you know, in a city and especially like I wanted to come to this city because there were so many resources. I'm like, I'd be an idiot to not start 
leveraging and utilizing these resources, but these resources take money. So that's, that's the, once you get to a certain level of production in anything, whether it's film, whether it's fashion, it's music, some point there's going to be money. So now that's, that's my thing right now is trying to figure out how to leverage this time to find that thing. And then, you know, bring that back into all the things that I want to do. Yeah, exactly. Like I, I've, I've noticed that finding the niche and what you love to do is, is definitely, uh, is definitely is definitely the move if you want to create you know better quality projects um so for example right like you can't be it's hard to be and i just found this out like the hard way right mm-hmm. like maybe a couple of years ago um directing and trying to be the director of photography at the, at same, the time. same time yeah. is yeah. almost impossible yep. right because and, you have and to be a maniac. It's possible. You're a camera like, operator and you're trying to set up the frame, but you got to also make sure your focus is right. And then you also got to make sure that the, that the talent is doing whatever the talent's supposed to be doing. So if you have one person kind of directing the talent, another one just in charge of focusing, and you know that's your first AC, yeah. and then you have another. It allows person. you to be better at your thing. Yeah, exactly. So everybody kind of hyper focuses on one kind of area and then everybody just kills it. Like the frame is, is absolutely, it looks way better. So now I've, you know, I'm starting to expand my team. First AC, second AC gaffers, <clears throat> you know, on the more visual side. And then I have a couple of kick-ass audio guys that kind of come in and help so, me So out let me ask you this, because this, this is important to me. And I think for a lot of people, how do you, in terms of like executing and like finding the people, how do you make that transition from being a one-man band or, you know, having your friend come help on this or that? to actually finding those individuals. Now, I know you identify them by having worked with them or, you know, by um, uh, recommendations of people that are, you're close to, but how do you, let's say, hypothetically, this is your first big project. Somebody gives you a $50,000 budget, but none of these people know you. And, well, no, I don't want to say it's $50,000. Let's, let's bring the budget down because it's going to make these people take more of a risk on working with you. How do you identify and then sell those people on being led by you as the producer or the director in, or whatever your role is, your ideal role in your project, how do you go about finding those things? And then how do you, um, how do you put yourself in a position where you're able to confidently command these people so that they respect you in your, uh, in your field when you're doing these things? So I think networking is a, is a huge part in that. Um, I have a couple of producer friends who, Mm -hmm you know, kind of refer over like the, the, the crew members that they usually work with, which is great. But, you know, sometimes their costume designer isn't available or, yeah. you know, their gaffer is not available. So um, I found that, uh, ironically enough, Facebook is an awesome tool to be able to source, you know, uh, industry professionals. I mean, if you, if you join like LA Filmmakers Group or, right. you know, cast and crew for hire, um, but that's kind of the first step, right? So you, you have to put out your posting. You have to, you have to get those leads coming in. But mm-hmm. as a producer, it's your job to vet those people's work, mm-hmm. right? So send me your demo reel. Send me, you know, what, whatever, your editing reel, your directing reel, your you know, actor, uh, your acting reel, whatever it may be. You have to be able to identify uh, that, specific, uh, that specific talent, right? Because right. I've, seen, I've seen people who are like, yeah, uh, I'm sending you my reel and it's just like some, uh, and I'm hiring, for example, like a camera operator. Right. Um, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they're the DP, right? That right. just means that they were operating, operating the, the camera. camera. Right. So you have to be able to know how to clarify, Hey, did you frame this yourself or did you frame this 
with another person who lit it where it was under your direction was under somebody else's direction so you have to be able to identify what the exact role of that person was in the clip that you're watching Mm -hmm. and then hire based off that so that can get a little bit tricky when you have such an amazing music video and this and this and this oh yeah you know i was i worked on this you know rich the kid music video yeah but you were a pa (laughs) right you know making sure people didn't trip over cables and especially and in not a city the where director people photography right sell themselves so much yeah you're right exactly and there, i mean it, it's great you know you're as a pa you're you're if you're able to be on a rich the kid music video that's, oh, that's awesome that means sure. you're forming those connections you're forming those networks but as a producer you have to be able to know and identify that mm-hmm. the role that that person had in that particular project and then hire based off that okay. so that's that's kind of like my the, the way that i go about sourcing crew and and, and then and, and, when you're on set how does that work especially if you're yeah obviously you are very well you're experienced and you're very well versed in a lot of these things now but just starting out are there any tips that you would give to somebody that maybe this is their first time on a big project and a lot's on the line and they've done the right thing by surrounding themselves with people that are more competent with them but any suggestions or, or anything that you points of advice you would give people on how to command a crew and to command that respect and that leadership sorry you said you kind of cut off a little bit could you, could so, you repeat that yeah, question yeah, so you, you were identifying how to um how to how to execute this as from a producer standpoint but from let's say a director standpoint on set if if hypothetically you were somebody that was just starting out you had a lot of promise you had a lot of talent but let's say you have a lot less on your resume than the people around you you've done the right thing by surrounding yourself with people that are proficient in their areas do you have any advice to somebody that may be in that situation on how to command the respect and the leadership of these people yeah so absolutely so just know the role that you were hired to do you know what i mean so Mm -hmm. i mean i've been on set where people are like trying to tell the director no i think it should be done this way and i'm like dude no, 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 let no. So, so, so let's say, no, let's say you, you are, and, and it's, I, it's, it's unlikely, but for somebody that may be like a director or a DP and they've been lucky enough to get put in this situation, but they have less, um, on their resume, less experience than everybody else. And it's one of those things. Okay. Oh, okay. I see. I see your question. No, I mean, I mean, it's your turn. It's just your turn to work your ass off. Right. Mm-hmm. Like if you don't have a lot on your resume, you have, you're only as good as your last project. Like that's, like that's kind of like the rule of, of, of kind of entertainment and, and production, right? Right. So if you were on a project that flopped and you were the director, like you're not you're not gonna get hired, right? So right. if you if you're a director on a you know on your big project but you don't have a lot on your resume, you have to make sure you come with hundred and ten percent. Like there's there's no way around that because you wanna make sure that the time you're utilizing to produce a spot or, or direct this uh, direct this project is gonna be is gonna be worth it and it's ultimately gonna you know, is gonna come out well. And if you don't have a, a an expansive enough resume to back you up, every project that you do is worth that much more. That's good. That's a good way to look. So at really, it. really understand what you're doing on set and just come come with 110. percent Dope, bro. I appreciate that. Well, I, I don't have too many more questions for you. I don't want to hold you too long unless you got something else. Any other words of advice or anything you want to share with anybody, or, or give me all the, the the contact information so I can throw it on the video. Uh, yeah, man. No, I appreciate that. Well, I mean just last word of advice, man, just network, make sure, you know, er, er, this industry is all about who, you know, um, and being able to, you know, leave a good impression on people by, you know, being a hard worker, being a, being good at your craft, being good at what you do. 
um, is ultimately going to be able to launch you into, you know, into better spaces. So that's, that's ultimately like what, what my draw from, from everything that I've learned is mm-hmm. networking, you know, it's be nice, idea. be professional, be courteous, be honest, be communicative. Um, and that, that's ultimately it. But, uh, yeah, for, thank you guys. Thank you for having me on the, on the podcast, man. I mean, I um, my Instagram this. is at alvaro.mov, A-L-V-A-R-O. And you can find some of my skills and motion projects on all right, so sir, I appreciate you. Um, I'm gonna be hitting you real soon because offline, I want to I want to hear about your film project, and then we can you know chop it up from there. Thank you though. Yeah, man. Absolutely. No, thank you for having me on. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. Peace. All right.